All right, there will be bourbon with the man, John Phillips, tonight. How you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you? I am great. Um, before we show the uh, total, I guess, abomination and affront to the title of this show that you're going to actually be drinking on, I, however, will be fueled by Fry Ranch. Fry Ranch. Fry Ranch. Oh. Fry Ranch. Anyway, it's from Nevada. Um these guys are right outside of the, they're to the east of the, the Sierra Nevadas over there and not in Fallon, Fallon, Nevada. They do some really good stuff up there. It's, it's pretty impressive because given how hot that summer can get up there and uh, just obviously there are four seasons up there, but uh, they also do four grains. So they have uh, the wheat is with it along with uh, the rye. And so uh, a little barley in there as well. So it's actually really sweet, very vanilla and caramel. So if you like this stuff, I usually don't like to do tasting notes, but it's too late because everybody tastes shit differently. But anyway, you are drinking what, my good man? Uh, I have right here a nice scotch on the rocks that happens to be a Macallan 12. It's ridiculous. You know, the show's called why There Will Be Bourbon, heresy? right? Not why, there why, will be why is that heresy? Because it's There Will Be Bourbon, not whiskey. It's scotch. That's not bourbon. Bourbon is America's native spirit. Aren't you a big, you're a big pro-America guy? I, well, no, I'm from California. I've been to America before. But. Oh, that's true. <laughs> All right. So actually, the funny thing about the Macallan is that was the first thing I ever drank. When it really? Came, when we came to brown liquor, I guess, or just liquor in general. Yeah. So, you know, my brother got me into scotch originally years ago and, and that was what we started with mccallan 12 was like oh my god it's mccallan it's gotta be the greatest thing ever which it is it's great uh, i remember the funny thing was so i was in vegas once which is actually where you and i <laughs> where we last saw each other right uh, in, in las vegas uh, but anyway so i was there years ago and uh we were at the steakhouse it was me my brother my buddy Derek, and i had just re-enlisted so i had like this fifteen thousand dollar cash bonus and i'm like yeah man i got mccallan for everybody let's go ow and so it was the first time I had the Macallan, I think it was the 25 year. Oh, yes. Well, oh, no, because I, I bought four shots of that for everybody. Okay, my, so there, there used to be a place um, in Los Angeles. Actually, it was West Hollywood. It was right on Sunset Boulevard, Yeah, right there near the Chateau Marmont. And they had the world's greatest happy hour. Mm. where every every drink they had from 6 to 8 p.m. was half price. And they had Macallan 21. They didn't have the 25, but they had Macallan 21. They had the 18 that you could get this massive tumbler of, and they the, the pours were amazing, for literally 10 bucks a throw. What? Macallan 18. I, I would bring all of my friends there, that was the happy hour place to go in Los Angeles. What's crazy about LA though, because I, I do got to introduce who you are actually. <laughs> People are like, who's this John Phillips guy drinking scotch on a bourbon trip? But anyway, um, but no, LA's got some really, really cool bars that if you find them, like even when it comes to like bourbon or high-end bottles, they just sell it at what it should be. Like, you know, a bottle of Pappy, for example, everyone's like, oh my God, Pappy. Well, they'll give you, I know a place very well, They'll do the shots for 18 bucks because that's what it should be. Yeah. Or any no, of stuff. And there Whatever are, you can think of, they'll go in there. They have the bottles at retail and that's what they offer the shots as, as if they, what the shots should be at a retail price. Right. 
Whereas if you go into anything like where I'm at in Napa, I can go anywhere right now, any bar in Napa, I can get any version of Pappy for the most part, but it's going to go anywhere from a hundred to 275 bucks, which is dumb. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You don't, there's no reason to do that. Well, one of the things that, that I used to love about LA before it became a zombie apocalypse movie (laughs) is the happy hour. There are so many or were so many amazing happy hours all over Los Angeles. Yeah that it didn't matter where you went. Uh, the Formosa Cafe, which is since, I think, closed. Um, maybe I, I definitely heard of it. Um, like it was right next to the old studios, like where yeah. Lucille Ball first worked when she moved here. And you know, you'd show up there for Monday Night Football and you'd be sitting next to Ryan Reynolds. I mean, just a, a, an amazing little find with fantastic cocktails, a fantastic list for bourbons, scotches, yeah. whiskeys, whatever. Really, really, really dark, a nice little find and completely reasonable prices. Okay, I, I wanna pick up on that, but first, okay, so this is John Phillips, okay? He is the host of the John Phillips, is it the John Phillips radio show or the John Phillips show? Well, it's on the radio, but it's the John it, Phillips show. Okay, so what's so John Phillips? Yeah, he's, he's the host of the John Phillips show, 12 to three, noon? Yeah. Wait, noon to three in, uh, down in Los Angeles down in los angeles i can say that since uh, we both live in california not in america at the moment um <laughs> i do like this on your bio though it's great you you were a guest host at one point for virtually every show ever canceled for knbc or kabc oh yeah i was the grim reaper that's great but you're still there i am <laughs> i am I but like if you it. saw that i was filling in for you that meant that you were no longer going to be hosting a show <laughs> you are now going to be parking cars at the double tree by the airport that's awesome that's cool though. All right. So yeah, let's pick back up on it. Well, there's a, a ton to get to with you. Like, cause I know you, you can, you can talk about anything, which is great, but the, the happy hour thing, let me get back to that. So is this something that you've seen disappear mainly due to COVID or has this just been a trend? COVID was really the start of the downfall. Yeah. Cause LA, I mean, seriously, man, I've been there a few times over the last two years with the COVID thing and it's, it's unrecognizable from like 10 years ago. It's depressing. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I've lived in Southern California my entire life. Oh, so you're uh, from there? Yeah. Okay. I used to split my time between LA and Palm Springs. Right. And after the shutdown happened, I moved here full time because Riverside County was a little bit more open than Los Angeles County. And after the shutdown really went into full force, the homeless takeover of Los Angeles. Yeah is beyond whatever it is that that you see on Fox, multiply that times 10. That's how bad it is. It's it's fucking crime situation is just awful. The COVID lockdowns, they attempted to bring back the mask mandate starting today, and we were able to defeat that, um, which is like one of the first victories we've had in a very long time. Um, But it's just, it's, it's gotten to a really dark place. And um, if they don't start making major changes soon, I, I, I have serious fears that it's going to become Detroit with good weather. <laughs> and, well, yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be great if we could get some Detroit real estate prices. That'd be nice. Oh, yeah. That'd be fantastic. Because <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> but, no, I'd wear Kevlar and move back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about that, though, because I know you've, you're from there. You've seen a ton of this change over the course of your lifetime but you've never left 
at least not permanently, I would assume, right? I don't know where you went to school or whatever, but so you've always been there though, like, right? Because you just, based on the job, the stuff that you wanted to do, you what career wise, or you just, you just, as much as you hate it, you love it. Well, I'm a bit of a masochist. Um, <laughs> they hurt me because they love me. Yeah. Um, it's the only thing I know. I mean, my, my family's been That's here. Fair. Fourth generation Angelino. My, I okay. come from cattle ranchers and steakhouse owners. Yeah. Um, and, and avocado farmers. Uh, this is this is what I know. Um, I, I, I I'm lazy, so I don't want to be wearing four layers of clothing. <laughs> freezing climate. Uh, Some snow out down in L.A. You just gotta get up to the mountains, right? Yeah, I mean not in L.A., but yeah, close Big enough. Bear. <laughs> yeah, go up to Big Bear. So you okay? So but so you said avocado farmers. Where are they farm at? Fallbrook. Fallbrook outside of San Diego. And then there, the um, cattle ranch was just outside of downtown Los Angeles. And um, my great grandparents used to own Marsal Steakhouse, um, which is uh, one of the steakhouses that was around in that era, the, you know, the forties and fifties and whatnot. Um, so a lot of the athletes, the professional athletes used to go there and, and people like that, they had uh, illegal gambling going on on the back. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, the way it should be. That's exactly. <laughs> it, is, it is your your quintessential old school West Coast steakhouse. Yeah. Like that's what everybody pictures L.A. was, I guess. Because, I mean, that's kind of how it was. What I I always say this when people think of California, because I came from Florida. Right. When we think of California, you think of L.A. That's it. Right. Like I knew growing up as a Giants fan that San Francisco was in California, but I had no idea just how big the state of california is and how far san francisco is from la like you know because people just grow up seeing the movies from the 80s right or like at least for me or the 90s and you see southern california you see girls roller skating on the fucking beach and you go to those beaches now we just we just watched white men can't jump over the weekend i don't know if you remember that movie or if you ever oh saw yeah it. Well, but it's funny though because Woody Harrelson and wesley Snipes, right yeah but they're down yeah. at the they're down playing basketball down on the beach essentially and they're, they're yeah. in this park for a tournament. And I'm like, what do you think that park looks like today? <laughs> less than 25 um, years later, right? Or 30 there are people years. People living than, there, I'm sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's crazy to me just how much that's changed. But I was going to try and get your – let me get your opinion on this because I've seen slow, very let's, – let's, let's not get excited too much. But I've seen some signs in San Francisco where the light bulb's starting to – it's starting to flicker a bit. Like people are starting to get tired of this shit. So I'm just curious, you said this is one of your first victories in a while, but I mean, at some point, what's going on in LA, a much bigger city than San Francisco, but what's going on? It's not sustainable. Well, I think everything is, is circular. Everything is cyclical. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go back and you read stories about what San Francisco was like when, I mean, the city was first founded yep. and San Francisco was like, what you would read about one of these Caribbean islands um, mm -hmm. where essentially it was a city that was made up entirely of men Yep. because to get here from the East coast, you had to come by covered wagon or you had to come on a ship down South of South America where the waters are really rough. And a lot of those ships would crash and people would die and people who came by covered wagon would die. It wasn't really until the Transcontinental Railroad that, that you know, families could come here. So San Francisco was essentially a city made up of men and female prostitutes. 
and it was dirty and it was gross and the sanitation was awful, but it was fun because it's filled with drunks and prostitutes. I mean, yeah, like- what, what gets better than that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I've said that though, you talk about that, like, I've said like how this city is now to what you just described, like tough people had to make that. Yeah. Like you had to be the toughest of the toughest, just human, let alone forget what, what type of person you are, but just as a, you know, a representative of the human race, like weak people didn't make it this far. But yeah, now- you had to be really tough and you had to be a gambler. Yeah. You had to literally risk very risk averse. Yeah. And you know, the reason that, that Silicon Valley is in Northern California is because of those people. Yep. Like Leland Stanford and Huntington and, mm-hmm. you know, those people did the railroads. Yeah. The railroad was like the internet at the time. It was, yeah, it was the most cool. technological thing that existed on planet Earth. And they connected the West Coast to the rest of the country and founded Stanford University. And Stanford University was supposed to be a place for like engineers to figure out how to bring the future to California or how California could bring the future to everyone else. Oh, they're doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but so again, to get back to saying sustainability in LA, and you talk about this being a recent victory, but I mean, look, it's like I know it's 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 always kind of been a bad place, but I mean, you go just Google Skid Row right now and look at that whole it's blocks, all right, and then let's go to the the beach, like some of the piers and some of those areas, like it's just overrun with homeless, as you said, and at some point. I mean, you can't, this can't go on forever. They just can't. There's not, I mean, I get, there's a lot of rich people that live way insulated from it up in the hills, but there's a lot of people that live on that beach. I'm sure they don't want to deal with that shit forever. And it's very expensive. Yes. Go to to Santa Monica or Venice Beach or or Mar Vista or one of those areas. Um, You will pay a fortune to live there and you will live next to people shooting up with drugs and um, selling stolen bike parts and defecating in the streets and doing all kinds of illegal things, maybe stealing your, your Amazon packages or whatever the case may be. And um, you're right, something does have to give. Either they have to fix it and clean it up or you're gonna see rich people leave. Venice Beach, when I was a kid living here, Venice Beach was like a no-go zone. Really? That's where the gangs were. And then Venice they- Beach, really? Oh yeah. Is no, that like that was, Muscle Beach or whatever the hell it is or was called? Oh, yeah. But, but I mean, American History X, that was there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You, know, you look at some of those movies and, and Venice Beach had gang injunctions. Venice Beach was rough. And then Dick Reardon and others came in and they cleaned up Los Angeles. And then it went from being rough to being one of the most high rent places in all of Cal- Southern California. So how'd they clean it up? They threw people in jail. They they busted up the gangs. Um, okay, so that's a gang thing, right? So that's always been a fight in L.A., in my opinion. Yeah. Right? That's, 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 oh, there's yeah. a huge gang culture related to L.A. But, okay, so I think the difference between gang culture and homeless is I think people are more or people are less inclined to try and do something like that because they feel bad, right? Like they feel bad for homeless people, which you should. I feel bad for homeless people. Like it doesn't – I don't ever want to be homeless. But I think when you attach like the negative connotation to a gang, like no one's like, oh, yeah, be 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 mindful of the gangs and please don't upset them. But homeless people, it's like, all right, 
what do we do here? Do we, we, we can't just throw them all in jail, right? So the, like, what's their crime? Despite the fact that they are committing a lot of crimes, however, they're homeless. So what do you do? You, you knock them down, you move them over to another block. What do you, like, what's the solution here? Um, it's always interesting how uh, the homeless are referred to in articles. Like you're reading the newspaper. If they're good homeless and you're supposed to feel sorry for them, they're unhoused Angelinos. <laughs> if, they're, if they're bad homeless, they're transients. Transient, yeah, transient is a good word. Yeah, transients. But what are we going to do, man? I mean, they're just, I mean, I get it. California's got the best weather. Like, this is a great place to be homeless at. But, man, I've, I've walked over enough. Cra- like, I just took my daughter to the Stranger Things experience in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago. And it's in the old San Francisco Armory. And man, like I dropped my daughter and my parents off at the armory and I went to go park. And I, I specifically sped like, you guys need to get inside immediately because you're not going with me to park. By the time I got back, you know, I got to go through blocks just to get back. Stepping over homeless people. There's literally brand new leasing now apartments that are $4,500 a month across the street. You got people just living on the fucking sidewalk, shooting drugs up. You know, and this was a really nice area not that long ago. Like, this is not like this has been. Yeah. Like, this was a very nice part of San Francisco very, fairly recently. And I like, I was embarrassed because, you know, I've taken my parents to San Francisco a lot, but it's only, you know, we go to Giants games, right on the water, do touristy shit. It's nice and very beautiful. But once you get in the city, that, that fucking, that luster wears off quick. Right. And so it's even harder for me because I remember the first time I ever took my daughter to a Giants game. We're right off of exit 2B or 2C, whatever it is, going off of the Bay Bridge and sitting at a light and under the overpass. There's a dude like 40 feet from our car while we're at the red light. He's just sitting there shooting up heroin. And I looked to the back in the back and my daughter's in the back seat. And I'm like, I can see you're looking at the guy. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Now I got to have this fucking conversation, <laughs> right? Like, but on the other side of the street, you know, $5,000 a month apartments. Like there's this, like, this is not normal. And at some point, I don't want to play the partisan game here, but you can't tell me that even fucking Democrats are not like, this is a problem. Because no no one gives a shit at the end of the day. If the homeless people want to target you for whatever they feel like doing in the moment, they don't give a shit to check your fucking party, your voter ID card. Like, oh, he's he's on my side. Like, no, they're not on your side. They're fucking homeless. What are we going to do about this? John, I need solutions, buddy. Come on. (laughs) Well, first of all, um, maybe I've been to one too many Dodger games where I'm just old fashioned. Yeah. And the most dangerous thing about a baseball game should be the parking lot. Uh, <laughs> so we'll start with that. Um, but, 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 would you... <laughs> why the parking lot? What's going on out there? Well, have you been to the Dodger Stadium parking lot? I will lot? not. No, I have not. I would love to, but I'm a Giants a fan and I also don't want to get my head split open by a bunch of yeah. criminals. Probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, with the homeless, their brains are scrambled. Yeah. The, the problem with um, with the politicians on this is they have this outdated view that the homeless are like the hobo from I Love Lucy, the Ethel caught in the building. Yeah. Yeah. And she goes, "Scram, you hobo, scram!" And it was just a guy who was just a drunk or, you know, was too lazy to work or whatever and just kind of wanted to hang out. And that's not who they are. It's not no. someone who got laid off at the plant. It's not someone who's priced out of the housing market. 
it's people with serious mental problems yep. or drug addiction and they've scrambled their brains and they can't function. They can't, they can't yeah. hold a job. They can't pay taxes. They can't follow rules. They can't do the basic things that humans are expected to do. And so the question is, what do you do with them? And no one wants to hear the answer because it sounds inhumane on its face. But I, if you've got a better idea, lay it on me. I just think you have to warehouse them. At, at, at a certain point in time, technology will get to the point to where you can create a pill or a treatment or whatever that will do things like fix schizophrenia or will fix whatever mental illness they have. And it will be like, taking a pill if you have a certain cancer or taking a pill if you have an anxiety disorder or whatever, but we're not there yet mm -mm. and we can't fix them. And them living on the streets is not humane and it's dangerous for them and it's dangerous for us. And we pay a lot of money to live here. And when you pay a lot of money to live somewhere, you don't want to live in the, the walking dead. Yeah. And that's what we have right now. And I think uh, you bring up a good point about the warehouses because I think people, if you are familiar with San Francisco, um, I'm trying to remember where exactly it is, but it, it's it's along the water. It's along the water, so you you'll pass it every time you if you take the ferry in and you get off at I think Pier Forty One and you walk into uh, Oracle Park. You know, it's a good couple mile walk from there. But off to the right, on the other side of the street, you'll see these big. Uh, they almost look like these big fucking temporary military uh, tense structures we had over in Iraq or Afghanistan. Right. But they're these big, long structures they built. There's two of them from, what I think two or three, at least two, but they put them in from what I understand during COVID during the shutdown, because they took all the homeless people off the streets during COVID in San Francisco. Like they were gone. I drove into that city multiple times just because I wanted to get out. And I'm like, Oh, I'll just go fucking drive into the city. Cause it's, I like cities. It's cool to drive around in. And there was nobody, all the homeless were gone and they were all in there. And that place oh. still, it's still there. Like there's still, there's still people coming and going in and out, but I don't know the extent of how much it's under, like you will be there or if it's just an option for you to come in there. But you also bring up a point when it comes to your brain being fucking scrambled and people like that, you can't reason with. And I've run, I deal with these people every time I come out of a, a Giants game, man, I always, I, I park in a very specific spot. And so I'll, I'll walk the mile and a half or whatever it is to get back to my car. And I always have some sort of interaction. I've had them with just people that don't even look homeless. Like they look like normal fucking people, but they're just mentally. Like, I remember one of the things last year I was coming out of a Giants game. It's like 1030 at night and I'm walking past this business park where like <laughs> the Wharton School of Business, the Mozilla fucking business park, like, like, you know, high end tech areas that are down there. And it's this dude who's probably like mid fifties, very well dressed. He's gone. He's just having a fucking art full on argument with himself in the middle of the street. And you would have no, like you would have no idea what this dude, if you just saw him walking, you'd be like, Oh wow. Just typical affluent San Franciscan. Right. But no, whatever was going on with that dude at that moment, he wasn't there. Like you're not talking, like you can't reason with whatever fucking shit's going on in his head, but that's normal. And that's the problem because it's not normal. And we've nor we're allowing it to become normal. Well, it becomes white noise. You get yeah. to a point where you don't even notice it. Yeah. You just tune it out and you move about your business. Um, I can't tell you the number of times when I was living in Los Angeles where you would see someone, you know, just laying on the ground looking like they were dead. And 
under normal circumstances, if I see someone laying on the ground like that, like you render aid, you're like, yeah. oh, wow, is this guy like, okay? What's going on? Yeah. And you see them lying there on the street. You're like, I know why they're there. No need to ask. And you just step over them and you just, you know, continue on with your day. Um, and it, it's a failure of government. It's, it doesn't have to be like this. It but wasn't a, like this. Yeah. Well, there, yeah. There weren't, I mean, you look at, at, at um, you know, pictures of cities in the 50s or even like in the Depression. Like we had a depression in this country. Yeah. And most people, people were unemployed. Than we do now. <laughs> yeah. Los Angeles looked cleaner in the 30s than it does today. Oh, totally. Well, I mean, so that's the thing because, and I don't like, look, the last thing, when it gets down to issues like this, I don't want to fucking point fingers and be like, oh, it's you or it's you based on whatever letters next to your name when it comes to political affiliation. Like this is an actual problem for everyone. Like it doesn't discriminate, right? So- Well, it does. It does. It, it, is, it is a geographic problem. It is significantly worse on the West Coast than it is in other cities. It's bad in LA. It's bad in San Francisco. It's bad in Portland. It's bad in Seattle. But, you know, you go to other big cities around the country, you don't see the homeless problem in uh, Jacksonville that you do in L.A. You don't see it in, you, Ch- you don't see it in Chicago. Yeah. You know, Chicago you, is one of the most beautiful major. Like I get people make a lot of fucking issues about violence and all, but that's a very, very, very small, specific area of the city. If you go to like the, the place in the city where you want to be, it's huge amounts of areas in that city like it's a huge fucking city that's just beautiful yeah boston is an extremely liberal city yeah it is nowhere near as bad in boston as it is in la yep i like how you said jackson though that's pretty funny because i was just there (laughs) um yeah well okay but that's kind of the point man because like let's look at california politics right well we've had a democrat governor since what 94 is that when it started no, well, I mean, that's counting Arnold as a Democrat. Yeah, I don't, I mean, whatever. I don't think he counts. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, uh, I mean, I go back to San Francisco. They haven't had a Republican mayor since, I think, 64 or 67. George Christopher. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, and I know we, we talked about how it's cyclical because it is. Like, I, I, just, I just think at some point, like, this can't be, like, if there's too many people in this state to just be like, yeah, I guess, you know, it's fine. It's, it's working. Like they got to go the other way at some point, don't they? Well, here's the thing. Because Newsom, that guy is so fucking detached from reality. Like, it's just hard to listen to him at this point. Here's the problem, though. When things don't function, what people do is they make fixes in their own personal life. And they don't fix it on the the policy side. It's a good point. So so let's say you're wealthy. Yeah. And you live in an affluent part of LA. You live in Brentwood. Uh, you live in Venice. You live in a place like that. And the public schools in your neighborhood stink. You don't get involved in the school board race and try to change it. What you do is you send your kid to a private school. Right. Um, if, if the library has been taken over by homeless people looking at pornography, you don't try to fix the library. You just buy your kids the books on Amazon. Um, you know, and what these are effectively is that they're, they're taxes by a different name. Um, you know, you have to pay extra for the books on Amazon 
or for the private school tuition or for your HOA security because crime is so high or whatever. And you just, you, you, you put the fire out that's in front of you. And then you continue to double down on the policies that created the mess. But why that though? Because people why, don't why the double better. down on the policies though? Because you have to know it's not working. You can be, I can, I see what you're saying. And I think a lot of people are just, I think, I think, um, I think a lot of people, and we really found this out when Trump was president, a lot of people don't want to say what they really want in terms of policy. So they'll just vote for it silently, but outwardly they'll say something different. So why not? How is that not a perfect opportunity for you to be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to buy those books for my kids and I'm not going to send them to the library, but put them in a private school and all. But I'm also not going to vote for what keeps enabling this to happen. You don't I'll have to you like broadcast you, your vote. I'll tell you where you see it happen in, in real life. Um, we have George Gascon, the Soros um, prosecutor in L.A., Mm-hmm. And he, he essentially doesn't want any violent criminal in prison. He is trying to destroy public safety from within the district attorney's office. Um, you know, we had two El Monte police officers just murdered in cold blood because he specifically changed a policy that put the cop killer out on the streets and has zero remorse for it and continues to defend the policy. It claims that he's not Nostradamus. How could you tell that this career criminal was going to go murder someone? Um, If you claim that you could see the future, you're lying. My policy is correct. Um, So what is his policy, though? No one goes to prison. The system's racist. Um, You know, the system is classist. So therefore, uh, yeah, the, the criminal is the victim and the victim needs to check their privilege. Right. So you have all these stories of all these horrible things happening to people. And then, of course, after the horrible thing happens to them, they if they survive, they end up on the news and you hear what they think about it. So there was a case in Venice about this mother and this baby in a baby carriage where there was a teenager who should have been in prison, but was allowed to be out because Gascon believes it's Uh, inhumane to try um, juveniles as adults, steals a car and is taking the stolen car and purposely runs over mother and baby. Now, miraculously, they survive. You know, they bounce off the car, but, but they are not killed. They survive. And they interview her on the news. I think she went on Tucker Carlson or someone like that. And she said that she voted for Gascon and that she is, generally speaking, supportive of his policies. But this was just a situational lack of judgment on his part. And that's what she said? Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> and that, But now she feels so unsafe in Los Angeles, she's got to move somewhere else. So Let me guess, where is she going to move to? I think she's moving to Colorado. I think that's oh, what it is. So she's going to go vote for George Gascon in Colorado. Exactly. Right. Yep. She's going to move where she feels safer and then vote for the same policy because she's going to think it's going to be better next time. Right. Because it it was not a a bad philosophy. No, it's just a temporary lapse in judgment. Yeah. Lapse of judgment. Which a lapse of judgment has already happened, which is why that person's out doing the same thing. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to sound cruel, but if that's the policy you want, why move? Live here. You know, (laughs) right. (laughs) 
And, and, and if the policy is you end up getting hosed off the grill of some guy's car, then hey, you know, that's man, you know, like his, crumbles. It's so weird though, because I've seen the shifts lately with Biden's messaging via Twitter, whoever runs his account. Um, you know, there's they're starting to pretend that they're tough on crime again. And I just don't understand how, like, because I get what you're saying. Like, I get where someone like Gascon could be like, oh, let me let me play the modern theory of just the system stacked against people. Um, but I just think, like, if regardless of party, if we're about the rule of law and we're about living in a civilized and organized society, which requires you in a social contract to give and take certain things, right? the very bare minimum that everybody should be willing to say is that we're not going to accept poor behavior and crime. And at that point, then you remove, then it becomes a legitimate policy debate. It doesn't become anything else because then you have to, you have like a baseline of like, we're not going to tolerate the fucking crime because no one should, it shouldn't be a partisan issue. Crime should, you should not have an advocate for the fucking criminal. I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I really do. I think that's stupid. There's no such thing. There really isn't. There's no justification for crime or a criminal. Don't get me about he's been born in bad circumstances. You know, the fucking world sucks sometimes. All right. Come outside of America and let me show you some places where people have really been born into some poor circumstances and they don't just default to fucking crime. But here we are in L.A., for example, or San Francisco, where we do everything to make an excuse for someone and their poor behavior rather than actually demanding that they still meet the fucking bare minimum to succeed or not succeed, but to just live and to operate in a fucking peaceful society. Well, I think that for a lot of these people, people like Gascon, it is virtue signaling. Right. And the results are almost irrelevant, but I feel good about what I'm doing. And if it results in a more violent society, or he claims to care about, about ethnic minorities and, and religious minorities and, and, and those people, and if more of them end up getting victimized as a result of his policy, that doesn't matter. The you know, he had good intentions with this policy and he, you know, he came at it with, a, with an anti-racist attitude. What's this guy's um, background? Well, he actually worked for the LAPD and then got passed over for the chief position in LA. And then he ended up in Mesa, Arizona. And then he was brought to San Francisco to be the police chief. And he became the police chief in San Francisco, Gavin Newsom's mayor. And Kamala Harris, who was then the DA, gets elected to be California attorney general, creating a vacancy in that office. Mm -hmm. And... San Francisco is not a particularly diverse city. It's essentially whites and Asians. Yep. You don't have a lot of Latinos. You don't have a lot of blacks. And Newsom knew he wanted to run statewide. So he was looking for a pick that would help him out politically with some demographic group that he needed help with. Gascon was born in Cuba. Huh. He's a Latino. And Newsom, at the time that he nominated him to be district attorney in San Francisco, didn't even know that he had a law degree. It was literally a bunch of people sitting in a room, Newsom and all his aides and advisors. And someone said, I think he has a law degree. And they had to go back and double check. And they found out, oh yeah, he does have a law degree. 
and they nominated him to be DA of San Francisco. And he wasn't advocating for himself for that office. It wasn't anything he thought he would ever do. It was like this guy was plucked <laughs> at random and made the district attorney. And then he gets in there and becomes this massive advocate for criminals. That doesn't make sense though, given his background, right? Like he was a police officer. No, but okay. So, so he's from fucking Cuba, which you would think he generally has a pretty good respect for (laughs) the United States, (laughs) right? Like let's, we probably know a lot of mutual people down in the fucking Miami, those Cubans, right? Like, I mean, I don't get it. That's weird to me. He's the one Cuban I'm, I'm aware of in the United States who's to the left of Castro. That's um, <laughs> Look, I, I don't know how he got there, but that's where he is. No, I think what happened is I think that he he got passed over for a job that he wanted yeah. from the police department. And I think he hates police. I think that that, that manifested itself into something really negative within, within him. And I think he is essentially a broken person. And I think that he is now going to spend the rest of his life trying to get back at the police because they wouldn't hire him. That's a, that's a, that's an elected position he's in right now, right? Yeah, no. And he beat beat a black female democratic incumbent who was very good at her job. You know, all of these woke people down here, Adam Schiff, Eric Garcetti, uh, Laura Friedman, um, all these people who spend all of their time talking about race and equity and inclusion and all of that, man, they were the first ones to publicly come out and say, get rid of the black chick because she's bad at her job. That's usually how it normally is, right? Isn't that normally how it is? Like we see this play out all the time. That's yeah, and she, and she was very good at her job. I mean, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't even like she was this 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 you know log. She was she was a good DA. Yeah. Uh, which hey, for everyone curious, like that's high praise coming from John Phillips. <laughs> All right, he's given praise to the to the to the. Who, well, I had a I had an old station commander who would always call he called Democrats crats. He'd be like, damn crats. So yeah, look, he's giving praise to a crack. It's all about it's all about uh, intellectual honesty. Well, no, ideological honesty on this show, John. I mean, that's what we do here. If yeah. we're not talking about bourbon and war, we're going to talk about ideological honesty. Okay. So <laughs> now, bourbon and war, like people who are drinking bourbon while engaged in war, or I mean, you know what? I think we'd probably be a lot more successful in Iraq and Afghanistan if they still let us fucking drink. And by no, okay. let us, I meant confessional, conventional forces, because there is some consumption still taking place. But you know what? When I was in Afghanistan, especially in Bagram, where most of the international forces were collected, or even in Kabul at the airport, where a lot of them were as well, they get to fucking drink. The Polish had their own little beer garden right there on Bagram. But you know what? I got to walk by and wave and go drink my fucking fake beer inside the goddamn defect because I'm not allowed to drink alcohol in the combat zone because that's bad. Okay, so I have a question about that because I have a a cousin who's the same age as me. Okay. um, Who is uh, essentially the non-pussy version of me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He he is an Apache helicopter pilot. Oh, that's cool. And he did uh, two uh, year tours in Afghanistan and one in uh, Iraq. And he said... 
that they were allowed to drink. Uh, they were given a, like a token. Yeah, well, it depends where were, you're at. Okay, so where he was, they were given a token and they were allowed to have a beer on Thanksgiving and on Christmas, but everyone was only given one token. And he said that his trick was he would befriend all the Mormons and all the Seventh-day Adventists who didn't drink and he would get their tokens. So while, every, you know, they have this, these rules, so everyone only gets one, one drink and he would have, you know, tokens that look like he just won the jackpot at Caesar's Palace. <laughs> and he would have the power to get any and every person drunk. Yeah. So, I mean, it, depending on where he's at, I wasn't sure 100% where he was at in terms of inside those countries. So, anyway, but so for like Qatar, for example, right? If you're at uh, it's Camp Asalia, I think it's called. Is it Asalia in Qatar? Whatever it is. I think so. Anyway, I, I've probably, you've probably seen this picture. If not, I'll send it to you later. But yeah, so inside everything, because Qatar is so goddamn hot, but everything's housed inside these massive warehouses and they have their own Irish pub in there. Hmm. You get you get three drinks per day. Okay. And they check it based on your ID card. They'll scan it like your your military identification card. There's barcodes on both sides, but they'll scan it. And that's how they keep track of who gets your beer. So you can, in theory, if I had John Phillips's ID, I could go up and be like, now here's where they try to discourage it. So my unit, my last deployment, right? Like I was based in Kuwait. I had soldiers there in Qatar and a few other locations. And they knew like me being based in Kuwait and my platoon leader we would have to go visit these soldiers in qatar well the brigade that we fell under technically was based in kuwait and their policy was no drinking so even though i'm leaving kuwait i'm still under that brigade command's footprint so my soldiers were supposed to technically not drink while they were in qatar now do you think i'm going to tell a bunch of soldiers not to drink while they're in qatar not unless no, you want i'm not Right. And I told, I remember telling my platoon leader, I'm like, ma'am, we are not going to enforce that policy. <laughs> right? Cause when we go down to visit them, how well, here's what was funny. So anyway, I go down to visit them the first time we all go out to the, the little Irish bar, you know, with an N. I don't know if it was Mac Mac Macaulay uh, something. Anyway, I go drink, go back the week later, fly back. And uh, <laughs> my platoon leader and I get called to the, uh, the brigade commander's office and the star major was the one that actually talked to us. And he's like, do you guys have any drinks when you're in Qatar? And like me, I'd have been no problem in life. I didn't do that. Sorry. No, but my platoon leader, brand new first Lieutenant, just super honest about everything. Big conscious. Anyway, she's like, Whoa. Yeah. We, we, and I'm just like, Oh, uh -oh. So anyway, he's like, yeah, well, the reason we know is because we pull the roster every night. So they actually keep track of the scans. Oh my god! <laughs> they, so they screen the names based on who's in. You know, at the time, it was First Sustainment Brigade, who fell under First Infantry Brigade, whatever. And so yeah, so First Sustainment Brigade was pulling all these, and I'm just like, whatever. You know, I mean, I get it. That's your local policy. However, theater policy for Qatar, I was I wasn't breaking any rules. So and you know, it was not like we got in trouble. But yeah, the point my, my, the circle circle back. The point is, it's stupid. You know, well, I get the, I, I get the expect. arguments for both sides. Right. Like, well, what if we need you for something and you're drunk? Well, OK, fine. Got it. However. It's like when I would have these conversations with my grandfather who served in Korea, he'd always be telling me his fucking stories about getting hammered and all this stuff. I'm like. Well, you know what? The last time we won a war, 
World War II, we could drink. Maybe even Desert Storm. I don't know. It was over so quickly. But, you know, go back to World War II. They were getting fucking hammered all across Europe and the Pacific. And we won. And they did that in four years. How long did it take us to fail in Afghanistan, John? A long time. Yeah, a long fucking time, John. Okay, so here's, here's what you should have said. <laughs> I did, should have called you. <laughs> did, did you drink? The answer is we had permission, sir. <laughs> Who gave you permission? permission? Who gave you permission? The captain. Which captain? Captain Morgan. <laughs> or or uh, wait, what's the other one? There's Sailor Jer- Admiral. Wait, what's the knockoff? There's Admiral something. It's like the cheap stuff out of PX you'll find at the Class 6. It's crazy. Admiral Admiral Nelson. Look at that one up here. Let me look this up. Admiral Nelson. This is great. This is what you came to hang out for. Hey, do you have any time restrictions, by the way? I meant to ask you. That's your Friday night, bro. If I'm keeping you, let me know. No, I'm fine right now. You're fine right now. See, right now, <laughs> Admiral Nelson. Hold on, <laughs> rum. Yeah, Admiral Nelson rum. Yeah, look, there it is. Bam, Admiral Nelson. Oh yeah, that yeah. looks like that. That is definitely a well rum. Oh yeah, you know that's that's the that's it's like ten bucks for it's twelve ninety nine for a one point seven five. You know how you What's can up? tell vodka is a well vodka? <laughs> it's vodka. Well, they're all. <laughs> The well, vodkas are all named after Eastern European war criminals. Oh, is that, is that if, if it is a well vodka, some whoever it's named after was tried at Nuremberg. So wait, what? What? Stoli? 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 I don't know. I'm going to go do that. That's going to be a good yeah. research project this weekend. If you um, look at the name and you feel like you need to buy a vowel. <laughs> that's where you need it that's where you need it. all right look I, I did want to ask you this all right yeah I, I brought it up i think i sent it to you but it, it is an interesting and actually you know what let me let me read you this quote from mayor lundbreed london breed in san francisco because uh has la declared a state of emergency or a, a health emergency or anything yet with this monkeypox shit not to my knowledge i think you guys this are- new york and san francisco yeah. right okay yeah. well anyway so this was mayor london breed and her tweet is different from her actual quote, but I'm going to give you her actual quote in this story. So this is a NBCBayArea.com story, July 29th, which is, is that today? That's today, yes. 6.29 a.m. So this story is from today. All right. She said, um, we know that this virus impacts everyone equally, but we also know that those in the LGBTQ community are at greater risk right now. Now, let's just stop right there. It affects everyone equally, but this other group of people is actually affected more. Right. So wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, animal farm. <laughs> right. But now that now, now her tweet said, the tweet was, this virus impacts everyone. It didn't say equally that time. Yeah. But our LGBTQ community is seeing significant cases and we need action. Why, why can't we and you know what hold on there's the other the other thing i want to get you through it ties into it it was a, a tweet this morning billy binion you know that guy have you heard of that guy no billy billy binion on twitter okay so what billy binion said which kind of ties into this because that's what i wanted to ask you about is the identity piece right so as i pull this up and i talk amazingly about how i'm going to pull this up here he goes he says a few months ago, we were told it was virtuous to mock folks who died of COVID, especially if they were vaccine hesitant. With monkeypox, 
We're told it's too far to ask gay men to temporarily desist from promiscuous sex. It says a lot about how we filter everything through identity. I think that's our problem, right? Everything's a fucking identity lens and that we can't even address any type of issue without being honest because we're always trying to filter it through whatever lens at the moment fits the situation. Uh, first point, <laughs> mayor of, of San Francisco. Yes, um, Miss London breed. By being so woke, whether they know it or not, what they're doing is they are muddying the waters so that the people that should take the vaccine don't think that they're at any particular risk or extra level of risk than everyone else. So what they're what what the result will be of what they're doing is you are going to depress the number of people who need to take the vaccine who will ultimately take it because they will think that they're not at any greater risk than everyone else. So she's hurting the very people that she claims to be looking out for. Um, for the other one, you know, it's weird how, how we have access to more information than we ever have before with the internet and with our smartphones and with everything else that exists in the world. Everything ever in human history is right here. That's right. <laughs> and, and the more, the more we access, the more, the greater access to information that we have, um, the more we, we start to act like medieval witches. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, I, I don't like your politics. Yeah. So, so I'm casting a spell on you and you're going to end up on a ventilator because that's what you deserve. <laughs> Or I don't like you. And the spell yeah. I'm casting on you is you're going to end up with a deformed penis. Yeah. Is that what monkeypox does? Oh, yes. No, I was at a birthday party and uh, one of the attendees at the birthday party was a bit overserved. That's <laughs> um, how I'm he, trying to be tonight. Overserved. Yeah, he, he was going on his phone and finding monkeypox penises. And um, what? They, they look like the court description of Harvey Weinstein's penis. What? It affects the penis? Yes. I'm going to be 100% honest with you, John. I don't know shit. I haven't looked up one thing about monkeypox. I have no idea what it actually does. I'm really curious. I have no idea. It's all gross. You're scaring the shit out of me right now, though. <laughs> Not that I meant, apparently it only affects gay people. I don't, I don't know how this gets affected. Either way, I don't think I'm at risk, but I do not want to have anything that affects the appearance of my penis this is like this is really <laughs> draw we're drawing the line here at this we can't have this happen yeah because it's not like you can go out and have that joan rivers plastic surgery done to it to make it look normal again hey new market, new market. <laughs> who's going to be the plastic surgeon for monkeypox penis okay but he here's again i mean when covid started and they gave us a lot of bad information remember when people were they were ordering their their groceries from from Amazon and yep. they were leaving them out overnight and they were spraying them with Lysol and they were afraid to touch them and all of that because the theory is, is that you could, you could catch COVID from your Pringles. So dumb. Um, so although dumb. I think you can get it from animal crackers because it is zoonotic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. If you do the reading on monkeypox, Yeah. At first, I, I, I read an article. Which I haven't, so I'm going to defer all my knowledge and expertise to you. Okay, well, I'm just going to confuse you more. Great. So I, I read <laughs> article number one, 
And essentially it's, you know, you have to show up to a party where you put your keys in a bowl at the door. And, um, <laughs> not every party. No, that's <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, blood ones, of course. Um, but, who but takes, who drives to a party <laughs> these days. <laughs> so, so, so that was the first one that it essentially has to be unprotected male on male sex. Right. And then I read this other article and it says essentially, no, that's not true. That you, you get it, you can get it through saliva. Uh, you can get it through sweat. You can get it through um, uh, uh, droplets uh, if you sneeze or something like that. Yeah. That it's, it's easier to get than we initially thought. And then I was reading an article this morning and it said that if you, if you share a towel with someone who has it, you can get it from a, like a wet towel. You can get it from, from clothes. You can get it from like incidental contact. And so then suddenly I started having this anxiety attack. Are you sharing towels, John? Is that what you're doing? Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't wear my glasses. So, you know, I was watching that January the 6th, um, a, uh, a, a news report on January the 6th, and they had... Worst day in American history. Did you know that? Oh, Yes. Well, they had a picture of Liz Cheney on the television and I was not wearing my glasses as I'm not tonight. And I, I was like squinting, looking at the TV. And I was like, why is Tanya Harding in the news? <laughs> oh, Tanya Harding. First Tanya Harding reference tonight. There will be more. There will be more. And there will be more bourbon. Um, yeah. Well, then where are we? Like, I don't get it. Where, what, is, what is going on with this shit? Is this so LA hasn't moved to that level? No, but okay, so so Biden screwed up the vaccine. This is largely of, not been reported. Of the monkeypox. So, monkeypox has been around since the 50s. Really? Yes. It's a horrible name. <laughs> the branding has to be better. <laughs> um, but essentially, and we've had a vaccine for a very long time. So we have an FDA approved vaccine. So it's not like COVID where we had to come up with it. Yeah. There's one that already exists, but these vaccines are like tickle me Elmo's. You can't, <laughs> you can't find it because monkeypox up until now was essentially only in three countries in Africa. Hello. Hi, Pam. Uh, hi. John. Hi, John. Hi. Last time I saw you was in Las Vegas. Yeah, it was. Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> Um, so, so they have they have the vaccine. Yes, they do. Allegedly, okay. but three countries in Africa, are like so, you don't have to mass produce it, right? Because you know where it's at. Mm -hmm. But now it's gone everywhere. It's gone global. And there is this this company in Denmark that produces it. And so the hot spot right now is in Europe. And so they're they're you know taking the vaccine that they have and they're they're you know putting it in the hot spots of Europe. And the EU has approved it. But the Biden administration and the FDA will not give the seal of approval because they haven't checked off certain administrative boxes, including inspecting the factory where it's made. <laughs> so because they're, they're, they won't fast track it, an already you know globally administered vaccine that's been around for a very long time 
but they have it's the government. Yeah. They have these certain <laughs> boxes they have to check. Did they check those they, for the COVID vaccine? <laughs> well, I guess it depends on who you ask. <laughs> um, but but this one, there, there's like there's no debate. We've been using this for a very long time but they can't get out of their own way. And so now you can't find this thing. In, in my county in, in California, I was reading in the paper a couple days ago, um, they, they were given 80 at the local um, healthcare facility in, in the city I live in, Palm Springs. And so because there, there was such huge demand, they set up criteria um, trying to determine who is most at risk and who should get it first. And what they came up with, with 80 vaccines available, is you have to be eligible. You have to have had a STD in the last three months. What? Yes. Why? <laughs> I don't, wait, what, Apparently, that's wait. the audience. <laughs> and there, there were 800 people and there were 80 vaccines. Uh, well, sounds like there's a math problem. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, apparently the math problem is 69. Hey, so, but that's, I mean, that goes back to Mr. Or not Mr. Mayor Lundberg, Lundenbury when she was saying, yeah, we need more vaccines. Because I think, yeah, no, we do need more wait, vaccines. No, hold on. It's, federal, it's, it's in the article. The federal government needs to get with the program. And this is what I don't understand. Be honest with people about who needs to take the vaccine and get the vaccine. Like, make don't create administrative hurdles. Just get it over here. Yeah. Well, this is what's funny. So this article was from July 29th, this morning, right? But the, the stat that they quote is from June 3rd, where the city reported 281 confirmed cases. So a month and almost two months ago, there was 281 confirmed cases. Am I reading this right? San Francisco's Department of Public Health reported the city's first monkeypox. Oh, no. Okay. The first infection was reported June 3rd. As of Friday morning today, there's 281 confirmed cases. Well, but if they've only got 80 vaccines in San Francisco. I'm going to guess that or 80 vaccines in L.A. They probably don't have 80 vaccines in San Francisco. No, no, no. I'm in Riverside County. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, L.A. adjacent. Right. Wait, no, you're in Palm Springs. Right. Okay. okay. So here, here's the other. <laughs> thing. It. If, if that, if you know the population of people. Ah, wait, hang on. Let me interrupt yeah. again. I'm sorry. San Francisco Department of Public Health said Thursday it has received 4,220 doses of the vaccine that will be going to clinics throughout the city. Okay. But they probably need more than that. I mean, I'm a big fan of like, if you need vaccines for anything, you should probably have a lot of them. Yeah, no kidding. Right? Because yeah, let's not, let's not downplay it. Let's over, <laughs> let's over ask. See, this is where the government never works like a Swiss clock unless you owe them money. Are Swiss it, clocks it, good? What? Are Swiss clocks good? Is that, is that like a, I've never heard that, ter- that, that analogy. So I'm assuming. Well, I know the chocolate's good. The chocolate um, is good. Yeah, no. The beer's pretty clock, good. Yeah, Swiss clocks work very well. But okay. but because that's not a Rolex. Rolex is British, right? Well, you get um, robbed at gunpoint wearing one of those in London. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is getting better. 
Way better than that McAllen 12 year you got. Well, not just McAllen 12, but McAllen 12. Look, you've, you've had that so long, the ice is melted. Uh, you know what? You're bringing bad repute to the show. I don't even know if that's a word. Is reputish word? Let me look this up. Keep Ill going. I'm a, I'm a Google repute. Ill repute. Ill repute. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No? You had something. You were saying something about sw- the government is like horrible. Oh, like yeah. No, but, but okay. So this is one of these situations where they really do need to, to be able to kick it into high gear. Yeah, just be and, fucking proactive, right? But and, what are you going to do? You can't, you're not going to shut us down. No, but okay. The problem is they're going to wait till it's a crisis and then they're going to want to abuse us the same way they did during covid now when you say us do you think are they going to abuse the gay community or are they going to abuse everybody at whole well because like right like because like it's kind of it goes back to the messaging thing that i was saying in the original tweet where we okay, talked so about where you're trying to actually you're trying to actually help the community but you're you're actually not right so let's, let's go back to covid to see how to try to predict how they'll behave with this we know that, that COVID was particularly a threat to the elderly and people with comorbidities. Yet they shut down the schools. They shut down gyms. They shut down golf courses. They shut down beaches. They shut down, you know, a bunch of stuff that had nothing to do with nursing homes and, you know, yeah. people who are most at risk because they have this belief in equity where they have to treat everyone equally or in their mind equally, despite what the threat level is of a particular virus or a particular disease or or whatever the case may be. And you just need to be realistic about what you're, what people are, are particularly in a, in a tough spot and you need to take care of them. And and don't wreck the lives of everyone else. Yeah, I mean that that seems very commonsensical. You should run. For but they, I mean, with COVID, you know, I, I could envision a scenario. I mean, they just tried to bring back the mask for the kids. Yeah. In the schools. So what happened? How was that defeated? Public outcry. So people down there, like, are they taking a turn? Like, are they over people this shit? Went bonkers over really? that. Yes. Good. And the supervisors all heard from their constituents and she went from a four, one split, the fake doctor, Barbara Ferrer. Yeah. Your favorite. I've seen. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> um, she had a four, one split essentially backing her up, which oh. resulted in a three, two split going against her ah. and wanting to bring the mask back. And it was just so because still we, two though. You can't do anything about those two. <laughs> they are who they are right yeah it, it's yeah. it's holly quite frankly mitchell who adds quite frankly into every sentence that comes out of her mouth <laughs> i'm gonna look her up Let me look. holly yeah. holly mitchell holly mitchell and then there's uh sheila kuehl who used to be in the state legislature um who decided to try her um try her hand yeah that's holly mitchell now look up sheila kuehl she tried to try her hand at insult comedy by referring to those of us who um, who did not support the mass mandate as snowflake weepies. Okay, so you see that picture of Sheila Kuehl? Yeah. 
Now she's trying to be a stand-up comic, she's right? She's trying to be an insult comic? She's trying to be an insult comic. Okay. I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not even, I'm going to leave it alone. No, 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 no. Go, bear with me here. Make, make a mental note of that picture. Yeah. Sheila Kill insult comic. <laughs> now pull up a picture of Louis Anderson. No, no, I know. I was going to honestly say, like, it just being a dick, like Logan Webb, who pitches for the Giants, or Philip Hoffman. Right? Like, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He looks like a fucking... <laughs> Definitely Louis Anderson, but that's pushing it. Let me, let me show you Logan Webb, because you might not know who that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I love the fact, by the way, that she's getting into a war of insults with us. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like, you can't... Do, like. Look, either you're just that you're just that confident, right? That you don't give a shit, like no one can really throw you off your game based off appearance, or you're just that naive and you have no idea what you're walking into. Well, if she wants to get in a battle of wits with <laughs> with with some of us down here, she's bringing a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, I I don't think that's a well wise strategy. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. Wait, what does she do? Well, she's a city council supervisor. Person? Supervised city supervisor. So they're so, so the city supervisors are the ones who set school board policy or a school policy. No, she's a county supervisor, and counties are in charge of public health and uh, those sorts of things. And LA only has five of those. Yeah, they are. They call them the five queens. Is it all five women? Yeah. Wow, I'm surprised there's only five. It's a big area. The only county in California that has more than five is San Francisco because San Francisco is a city and a county. Ah, got it. And San Francisco, they're, they're, they're like I said, I told you a couple, well, a while ago now at this point, but like they're, they've turned the corner. They're, they're kind of over. They're, yeah, they're, they recall they're their throwing people members, out, they man. They their DA. They, yeah, they're just like, fuck this. We're, we're done. Like, like I go down the rabbit hole a lot on San Francisco Twitter and man, they're, <laughs> They're kind of over it. Yeah, they pay a fortune to live there. And, and you know, who wants to get raped? Not yeah, me. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, though, I mean, I get it. San Francisco is much smaller population wise than L.A. Um, and I don't consider L.A. a city. Well, L.A. is kind of a conglomerate. <laughs> it's just a giant fucking sprawl. Right. Like at least San Francisco, you drive into it and you're like, oh, wow, look at the buildings. It's a beautiful city. It's small. But, you know, you drive past L.A. It's like, OK, you got one giant weird looking building in the center and it's just a bunch of like no one. Nobody works there. It's a bunch of neighborhoods and sprawl. It's just, Wait, what's the weird looking building? Is that the, the, weird, the big tall one that's like round kind the of U.S. bank building? I don't know. You tell me you live there. Let me look. I just think downtown LA is fucking, there's no aesthetic beauty to it. It's like downtown Tampa. It's just ugly. Have you been to Tampa? I have not been to Tampa. Okay. Well, Tampa has like this, they like the joke about the building in Tampa is like, they call it the beer can. Cause that's what it looks like. It looks like a fucking beer can. Huh? Yeah. Hold on. I, I, uh, I, I at some point hope to go to Tampa because it's a cool uh, city. A good friend of mine and I, uh, we have yeah, the U.S. Bank building. That's the one. Okay. We have this ritual where we try to identify what will be the worst college football bowl game of the season. And then we <laughs> can you see this? And we travel. I don't know if you can see that. 
Yeah, uh, that's glaring. The spec building. Yeah, that's it. No, no, no. That's not. No, this is the beer can building in Tampa. Oh, okay. I'll. You know what? Here, the, let, let me make this very easy, and I'll just send it to you on Twitter. Yeah. No. So the cool thing about, uh, you know, do you know Ruben Sanchez? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Ruben and I were at the Republican convention in Tampa in 2012, and honestly. Tampa is a very fun and cool city. It's just the city itself, in terms of buildings, it's just ugly. <laughs> it's just, it really is. Oh, yeah. I just sent you the same building, and you'll see why it's called the beer can. But Tampa, the, like the city itself, is cool. Like you're so close to the beach, you're so close to the Gulf. Like you know, you got a really reasonable downtown. You got a lot of parks. You know, a lot of like cool little areas around Tampa. Um, much bigger population than Orlando. Uh, more money. A lot more historical money, I would say, is in Tampa. Really nice areas. Beautiful neighborhoods. I, I love the hallmark of a lot of these towns with sprawl is that, like, the worst-looking part of the city <laughs> is always right next to the airport, and it's the first thing you see. <laughs> That's like, like Miami. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you go back to Miami and the old Joe Robbie or jo – yeah, Joe Robbie is Joe, yeah, Joe Robbie Stadium before they built the new Miami whatever – because they always put it in cheap land. That's what it is. And the airport's got always the cheapest land. Oh, no. But people come here and they expect to see movie stars. Well, they I told you, like, like they, people outside of L.A., like the perception of L.A. is not, it doesn't align. No. No, they expect to see movie stars. They expect to see big homes. They expect to see palm trees. And you all can they see get, all of that. You're just going to have to find it. No, not on Manchester. On Manchester, <laughs> you vaginas are us. <sighs> so are you in Palm Springs now or, or down in L.A. area? Uh, I've been Palm, I'm actually at a friend's house in Palm Springs right now. Okay, you're in Palm Springs. Palm Desert right now, actually. Palm Desert, right. Okay, which is different. Different city, yeah. Different city. Yeah, no, we were out. <clears throat> I mean, she's been. I was supposed to visit there. We haven't done it yet, but I like it. It's just a little hot. A little like hot. Like she went to the, last year and the hotel, the AC's going out because it's so damn hot. Like, I don't know. That doesn't sound like a good time. Uh, one time I used to, when I worked for CNN, I used to have. Uh, worked for a, the uh, enemy? Oh my God. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. It was fine. You know, Working for kidding. CNN. A joke. I don't. I don't know anything about media. <laughs> it, it's like being married to OJ. Uh, <laughs> oh, you might get your head chopped off. No, sure, it's an abusive relationship, but hey, you get to fly first class. Hey, there we go. That's nice of them. Good for them. <laughs> so I always used to have to keep a change of clothes in the car. So I'd have uh, a suit and uh, shoes and dress shoes and those sorts of things. And I had this pair of dress shoes that I left in the back of my car. And it was so hot that it melted the glue in the shoe and it, the sole separated from the rest of the shoe. <laughs> this is very, this is very Iraq right now <laughs> or yeah. Kuwait. That's funny. No, the hottest I've ever been was in uh, Camp Redleg, which was down in the United Arab Emirates. And it was uh, 127. It was so hot that they wouldn't allow people outside of their tents or their structures. Wow. Yeah. 127. Yeah. 126 is the hottest I've ever experienced. And that was in Lake Havasu, Arizona. Oh, wow. In Arizona. Yeah. 
Isn't Havasu like kind of at elevation though too? Or no? Is it flat? Because I know there's a ton of elevation there, isn't like Sedona and all that stuff. Yeah, no, this is this is near um like Laughlin, Nevada. I mean, either way, it's just hot. It yeah, sucks. Like hot. so when we were in Vegas last year, um, we were in Vegas for the hottest day on record in Caesars, and it was 119 on July 3rd. Hmm. No, July 10th. Yeah. Hottest day ever that day in Vegas history. 119. But it's a dry heat. Oh, sure. Just jump in the pool, order a mojito. It's good to go. That's what I did. <clears throat> I, I don't understand the the complaining about. I mean, I, I guess if you have to work outside or something, it's a problem. <laughs> if you're just sitting in the pool, what do you care? Yeah, no, you're no, look, I don't care. Trust me, I don't. The only thing I hate, I hate heat and humidity. That's why I don't miss the East Coast. Uh, you know what? The, the the thing that I hate the most about hot weather is that it's hot. No, no, it's that, it, it's that when you um, when you meet people who aren't particularly interesting, yeah, the first thing they say is, "Boy, it's hot out there." That's how every conversation goes. <laughs> "Boy, it's hot out there." Well, I mean, if we're if we're being honest, like there's entirely too many conversations that center or start around the weather. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, but if you've got something to talk about, I get it. You know, there's just a tornado. Hey, did you see what happened to Bob's house? It's two streets over. Yeah, but if you start with like, hey, uh, how's the weather? Or like, hey, oh, it's raining. Stay dry out there. It's like, okay, yeah, thanks, man. Well, That's if it's 115 and you're telling me it's hot, like I didn't already know that. Yeah, kind of an issue. But yeah. I mean, I guess you're used, because in my experience, I've seen, and my brother always says this all the time, is like, you look at every picture of, that comes out of Palm Springs. It's usually just a bunch of like men in their sixties with their shirts off and they're all ripped and shredded. And it's probably because it's so hot. They don't have time for body fat. It just melts away. <laughs> right. Am I right? Well, it, it, every city out here, there's the Coachella Valley is a bunch of different cities. And depending on which city you're in, you get a very different crowd. So, okay. What's the difference between Palm Springs and Palm Desert? Palm Desert, well, Palm Desert has um, a lot of HOAs, a lot of really ritzy areas behind guarded gates. I mean, that's where Bill Gates lives. Um, Bill, the, Bill Gates has a place in Palm Desert. Um, but you know. I'm saying, like, are they, they're at, are they next to each other? Like, I don't get it. Like, what is Palm, like, people keep saying that Palm Springs and Palm Desert, they're de totally different. What's the difference? Yeah, okay, so so Palm Springs is where the modern architecture movement really began, or the epicenter out here. Got it. So if you want really interesting homes with lots of concrete and glass and views and boxes and that sort of thing, that's Palm Springs. Okay. Um, you go down to Palm Desert, it's a lot of like, you know, condos on golf courses and, um, you know, gated communities up in the hills that have massive, massive, massive mansions. Um, and then I'm moving from Palm Springs to Rancho Mirage um, j just to get closer to the Betty Ford Center. So that way my next move isn't too far away. So... <laughs> 
so you're 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 gonna move to a place that's called the mirage i like that and then you've got your your substance abuse detoxification oh, yeah. lined up that's good Are yeah no like it's called rancho mirage is, is called the mirage but if you're looking for siegfried and roy uh that will be in palm springs <laughs> that's good um or siegfried and what's left of roy well roy just died didn't he Honestly, I don't know. Did he? I, I think they were still doing their thing yeah. in Vegas. I don't know. Maybe. Rest in peace, Roy. Yeah. Rip. So I was out there in what? 2000. The first time I ever went to Vegas was 2004. It was after I came back from Iraq. So I remember going to 04 and I went into that mirage and I saw I had a picture with the white tiger. It's a nice hotel. I like the mirage, uh, although I think they're, it's being sold or something. Uh, well, um, it wouldn't be Vegas if something wasn't getting sold or built. I, I my problem with the Mirage is just the location. I, I used to be a massive, massive, massive fan of Vegas. I would go all the time. Um, and in fact, for one of these um, college bowl games, awful college bowl games that I went to, was one of them was the Las Vegas Bowl. And it happened to be right like directly after the Las Vegas shooting. Oh, which happened. Man, which I got happened. so many crazy stories about that. Oh, <laughs> so the room they gave me was directly under the shooter's room. <laughs> so <laughs> so you, you, you look out the window and you have like literally the same view as the shooter. Yeah. And, you know, was... that's, all, that's all we watched on TV for a long time. So it was a little traumatic. So I get on the phone with front desk and I said, uh, hey, uh, this is John Phillips. I'm in room, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm going to ask you for something that you've probably never been asked before, but um, can I get a room with a view of the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. It was a little too like, fresh at the time. It probably was, but like, let's, let's yeah. go back to the Vegas shooter. I mean, I remember seeing pictures from inside that room. And I'm just like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up. It just, I don't know. It just never seemed, it, it just didn't make sense. And then it just, it disappeared as quickly as it happened. And you never really heard anything after. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, um, the one thing about that that didn't make sense to me was that we were told that the guy was a millionaire who made his money playing high stakes video poker. I would love to do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> who makes money play playing video poker? It's it's rigged. Okay. You've seen <laughs> who plays video poker. Yeah. The dude at the bar with his fucking dollar, you know, Bud Light. No, it's little old ladies named Millie on oxygen tanks. <laughs> Millie. They're, they're spending their social security check and whatever they scammed out of EDD. <laughs> Machines. <laughs> And um, it, it, it's, it, it is not um, captains of industry, let's put it that way. Yeah, right. So, so to be told that he became a millionaire playing video poker, it's an algorithm. Like you play it long yeah. enough. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. And I've been to a million casinos a million different times. You know, you, you don't, you're not going to look at, at a video poker machine uh, at the Riviera and find Donald Trump playing. 
Maybe not now. No, no, it, it's, it's going to be some woman who, you know, whenever she laughs, sounds like she's got stage four lung cancer. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the whole thing, and, and unfortunately, like I've got, I've got some personal stories from, I remember I was putting in a, putting in a guy in the OCS and his best friend died in that thing. And I just, but even, what, before, aside from the personal, I just remember reading about that. I'm like, so this dude took all that up into his room managed to apparently get the window out and then he was able to do whatever he fucking wanted for as long as it took before he finally was just did he end up killing himself or was he, he wasn't killed by police right i can't remember it's been so long i, I don't remember but I, yeah but then i remember seeing the inside of the room and i'm like okay he did all of that and i'm not seeing a lot of i'm not seeing a lot of shell casings on the ground I don't know. Well, uh, you know, and, and how do they how do they not have access to the room? Uh, you know, right. every like time I'm in a hotel, you want you want housekeeping to come 45 times, try to take a nap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, here we go. 64 year old open fire from his 32nd floor, fired more than a thousand bullets, killing 60 people and wounding at least 413. Hmm. Including the perpetrator, so he must have killed himself. I'm not gonna get too far into this, but yeah, I don't know because I remember like it to me that on the surface right there is like he fired more than a thousand bullets. Like, look, that's that's at least that's at least thirty two, thirty three magazine changes, and so no one got up there in that time. Like, that's not easy to do. So okay, a thousand bullets. <laughs> If you have a 30 round magazine, okay. If you have 10 magazines, that's 300. This dude had a thousand, so 34 magazines. Yeah. He got all of that up plus the weapons. Uh, he just got all that up into his room. Uh, I, I mean, know. I've gone in the hotels and I don't know how. Wait, this was at the Mirage? No, Mandalay Bay. The, Mandalay Bay. Okay. Because I mean, I've been to enough hotels in Vegas to where, like, man, I get harassed at like two in the afternoon because I'm trying to get my towel to go to the fucking pool. It's like, let me see your key. Like, there's, <laughs> it's not easy to do that. Like, you can't just. That is a good point. Yeah, right. Like, they, I don't... They, do not, they do not let you go to the pool, you know, unless you have. No government ID. Right, right. Like, like I don't know. It's but just, they give you access to the freight elevator. Yeah, but what <laughs> bothers me about it is how quickly it just disappeared, man. Like, it's one. Like, I can acknowledge that that was a horrible situation. I, like I said, I, I literally know someone who lost their best friend in that. I, I saw how it affected people. I read the numbers. I see all that. Cool, but as soon as it happened, it was gone. And I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I like, mean, I don't know what it. it he was clearly a disturbed person. Um, That's and I don't, I do not believe the story that either he had financial problems or, and was losing his money. I mean, I would believe that. I don't believe that, that given what I know about gambling and I am a chronic gambler, <laughs> um, that you can, you can make a living playing video poker. That, no, it's that not, it's also not a, it's not just a dumb random opportunity of violence because he chose a fucking a country concert well didn't he get a room at, at outside a different concert venue in chicago and oh i don't know that yeah yeah i think he did and i think that he there was nothing that happened 
I mean, maybe it was a dry run through or something. Yeah. It might've been like a little recon. But yeah. No, I mean, this guy had a lot of problems, but, but, um, you know, I, I do not, I do not believe he struck it rich playing video poker. I would like to strike it rich playing video poker. In fact, I'm in a part of a town in California, apparently that doesn't have casinos. There's no casinos in Napa from what mm -hmm. I can understand. Wait, well, can oh, wait, hold on. Is that Ace's place got casinos? She's not listening. Pretty sure. Is that Ace's place down the street? Does that have casinos? Can we go get rich off? Can we go get rich off of video poker later? No, no. The answer is no. All right. Well, All right, well it's you. fine because I bought I bought the Mega Millions ticket tonight. I'm going to win a billion dollars. There's no way that can happen. I, I have the winning ticket oh. uh, here in my pocket. Oh, you have the winning ticket as well. I have the winning winning ticket. Yeah. Oh, because I was willing yeah. to share, but it sounded like you were a little. Uh, well, You're a little selfish with your declaration hey, I, that you have the winning ticket. <laughs> I wouldn't. Be I'm the willing first. to break off everybody a million. I'll break it off. Here you go, a million bucks to you. I don't know enough people for me to give a million away to be a, to that affect me after yeah. I have a billion. I don't hear you saying you'd give me a million. That's interesting, John. Cool. All right. Listen, if <laughs> I win the billion dollars, if I win the billion dollars, nobody has to worry about anything. Would you say nobody? Because, what? <laughs> like that's some pretty broad. A billion dollars is not enough to fix everybody's problems. <laughs> well, the problems I see. Oh, okay. I mean, and you. Let, let me say this: I wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be the first time that that a man has claimed to be able to solve the world's problems with something in his pants. Hey, <laughs> I was gonna say, if you get a billion dollars, you can buy. I don't know how many. Um, like bulldozers it'll take, but I'll be more than willing to drive one of them if you want to use the bulldozers to clean up the uh, the homeless problem in LA. Well, and, and <laughs> what is it? $800,000 a unit for, for homeless housing. Is it really? Yeah, I don't even think with a billion dollars you can. Jeez, 800,000 a person? Where am I? I, I I'm, I'm missing out. Byron Buxton spent two sixteen. Oh wait, yeah, you're an Angels fan. Byron Buxton, they're playing the Padres. Padres wearing their City Connect. I love those uniforms. Have you seen those? I've not. Oh my good job! I, I, my favorite Padre uniforms were the ones that they used to wear when Tony Gwynn played, where it was brown and orange. Uh no, look, Padres like is as uh, horrible of a franchise as they are historically. Google, you got your phone right there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Google San Diego Padres City Connect uniforms. Do it. Come on, do it right now. Peer pressure, go. San Diego Padres City Connect. I think they're the best city outside of the Giants, of course, because I'm always going to default to the Giants. But look at it. This is dope. And it's it's in conjunction with, it's supposed to be a reflection of the two societies of Southern California and Mexico. And then also the sunsets in that specific region, how they tend to look this color or whatever. Are you getting that? Right, let's see. Hang on. What do you got? What, what after of, this i gotta go seriously what type of connection you got over there man okay here it is there it, it is it looks like the del taco logo <laughs> <laughs> For, forget the logo look at the colors isn't it it's i like it you don't like it he doesn't like it that's weird all right that's cool uh right, let's 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 talk about the angels i like the angel city connect 
You like that one? I like the old school angels, like 1980. Oh, total. California angels was the best. 1980s. Yeah, with the freaking the yeah. A and the halo, like the Calif- when they were the California angels. That was great. So this is good. Please tell me why you're an Angels fan and not a Dodgers fan, because it's it's a big plus in your column. Because if you were a Dodgers fan, this probably wouldn't be happening. I can't do it. Uh, I'm from Garden Grove, which is in the shadow of Anaheim Stadium. Okay. Okay. Got it. So, like I said, my brother and I was down there. Well, I don't know, May. Maybe. It was, yeah, I think it was May. End of May. I think. I like Anaheim. Anaheim's it's just expensive, but I like it. Anaheim's not, it's nice. The Very city clean. or the stadium. Well, the stadiums, I give them credit. I'll give, well, let's talk about the city first. The city I like. It's very nice. There's a lot going on. It's very mm-hmm. clean. I thought it was very yeah. clean. Um, you're pretty close to the water, right? Not too far. Now, the stadium, I give them credit because they're in the same boat as the Oakland A's, right? They have an old stadium from the fucking 60s. But to Oakland, or not to Oakland, but to the, the Anaheim's credit, they actually invest in that stadium and try at least to modernize it from some point. It doesn't feel as old as it is. If you go to the Oakland A stadium, dude, that's depressing. Well, but that that's a, a mixed use stadium. Um, you well, know, it was not anymore. Some well, one yeah, of the teams could have put made made it nice. Neither, no, none of them. That's that's actually a a, a, a that's actually a point against that point. If that makes sense. So the Angels are only responsible for the Angels. That stadium you said is multi-use. The A's and the and the Raiders both neglected to even do anything to it. It's horrible. Yeah, well, Anaheim used to be mixed use too until the the Rams moved out, and then the they, Rams and, played there. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. yeah. Um, back in the in the eighties, <laughs> and then they they changed it around. It became Edison International Field of Anaheim when Disney bought the team and they, they mm. Disney fight it. Um, but that's actually the second oldest stadium in the American league. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right behind Fenway park and yeah, Dodger stadium, by the way, is second oldest behind stadium in the national behind league, Wrigley. Right behind Wrigley. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, that stadium was the, the um, impetus of a huge scandal in Anaheim politics. It just had the mayor resign. What? Oh yeah. Cause they they want to develop the parking lot and put, yeah. um, yeah, they're not doing it now. No. <laughs> That's embarrassing, man. Artie Moreno, like seriously, that guy really like kind of irks me and he's not even a, the owner of my team. I like Artie. I, I, it, Do you like not winning? Here's the problem with the Angels. Um, this deal, I, I, I thought it was great. My brother was so excited. He's like, oh, we're going to get a new stadium. And I'm like, are you though? And then sure enough, it collapses. Because they do but, need to do something. They should. Okay, no, we need to stop. The two biggest stars in the sport, and you're fucking squandering their primes. The problem that we have is we waste money on big money free agents. Josh Hamilton, Albert Pujols. No, I mean, Pujols was a good, that's not it. That wasn't a bad deal. They got him in his prime. No, they got him in his prime. He lied about his age. He's 912 years old. Well, yeah, he's from the Dominican Republic. Throw that out. However, I thought signing Poulos was fine. That's not the issue. They squandered Poulos' prime because they didn't have a team. Anthony Rendon, Mo Vaughn. That's a bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But forget that. Forget the past. Let's talk about the deal for the stadium collapsing because that's what matters. And now you don't have it. You're still playing in the middle of a fucking parking lot in Anaheim. (laughs) 
Like, like that's what's weird about the state. Dude, I'm used to going to Oracle Park. Like, I'm right on the water. I take a, tr- a, a ferry in. I can take a ferry right up to the... Like, I go to Anaheim. I'm like, I walk into this giant asphalt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a parking lot. And, and then there's a baseball stadium. It's like, it's so weird. But it reminds me of Philly, because Philly's that way. They got all three stadiums, like, right in a big, giant mass of asphalt where these new stadiums are built. It's weird. Cause you I, know, I have a soft spot in my, in my heart for Anaheim Stadium. You should. I know. I, I get that. You should. Yeah. It's the same stadium you've grown up with. That's fine. But at least they've mod- they've tried to make it like it doesn't feel old when you're in it. If that makes sense compared to Oakland. That's my point. Oh, yes. And let's not forget. And you don't feel like you're going to get fucking robbed walking into Oakland. No, no. It's like a very safe place. Or walking into Anaheim. And, and in the long and storied history of Anaheim Stadium, it's also where O.J. Simpson made his appearance in the Naked Gun movie. Great appearance. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's so good. No, I love that. Like the what what's the Angels have a great history, but my here, let's focus on the now. All right. You say you like Artie Moreno, fine. I don't know why. Cool. However, you can talk about the history of signing free agents. I don't think the Albert Pool host deal was bad. It's what happens after you get these people. Right now, you have arguably the two biggest stars in the sport. And there's nothing around it. Now, great. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I do pay attention to the draft. I like what the Angels did last year. They spent all their first 20 picks on drafting pitchers because that's what they need. They have a great lineup. They have no pitching. Yeah. Otani, it's like the opposite happens when he pitches. The guy's on like a streak of six or eight starts consecutively where he's had more than double-digit strikeouts. And they're still not winning. Last night, loses 2 nothing. Goes six innings, strikes out 11. They lose 2 nothing. They don't even score. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I have long thought that they've made a lot of bad personnel moves. For example, we need an outfielder now. Well, now here's that my, Trout's here, hurt here, again. Here, here's my thought on this. We have Mike Trout in center field, right? Who's injured again. Okay. Uh, Angel great Tim Salmon should come out of retirement. Yeah, he's a little old. Have him in right field. You know so, I hate the fucking Angels, right? You know this. Because what happened in two thousand two? They beat the Giants. That. Yeah, Troy Gloss. That fucking the... game seven, unbelievable. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, so here, here, here's my <laughs> dream, dream outfield for the Angels: Mike Trout, Tim Salmon, LA mayoral candidate Karen Bass. Who the fuck is Karen Bass? The candidate for for, for mayor. I have no idea who that is. Okay, so we got Trout, <laughs> Salmon, and Bass. I know Trout and Salmon. Who the hell is Bass? Oh, I get it. Now, now it all makes sense. Okay, got it. All right. That's John Phillips, ladies and gentlemen. He's a stand-up comedian when he's not doing <laughs> noon to three on KABC. <laughs> all right, I do have to go right now because I, I got to pack. That's fine. Tomorrow. Wait, what are you packing for? I can't say. Oh, okay. There we go. We were breaking news here. On the uh, all right, so there's that's just will be. Or I can't even speak. It's it's there will be bourbon. Where can they find you, John, on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at Johnny Don't Like, and they can listen to me on the radio each day from noon to three Pacific Coast time on KABC AM seven ninety in LA KABC.com worldwide. Do you hear that? That's the voice of a professional, aside from this voice that you hear now, who is everything but professional i'm just fueled by america's native spirit and that's bourbon all right there will be bourbon thanks for hanging out john we'll see you buddy